I think the only way to follow that is to turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we will read together verses 1 through 12, which is indeed the story of the wise men following the star, and this is Epiphany Sunday. The text is up on the screen, so please read with me. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rise until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, God always blesses the reading and the hearing of the word. I hope Christmas 2013 was great fun for you. I hope there were moments of sheer delight. My joy has to do with diets being suspended during the Christmas season. 60% of Americans say they intend to lose weight in 2014. And you know, one of the frustrating things about going on a diet is not being able to talk about it. And it drives you nuts when you sit with your friends and they tell you about the great diet that they are on. Part of the joy of Christmas has to do with seeing friends, going to dinners, to parties, receiving cards, listening to the Christmas music, and of course, candlelight and silent night on Christmas Eve. Faust said, moment, thou art so fair. Delay it, delay it. Wouldn't you like to be able to delay the fair moment of Christmas for just a little bit longer, just, just to milk it a little bit, to enjoy the moment just a little bit more? Inexorably, the magic of the moment will not delay. And suddenly, we are hit with a jolt and we are rocked back to reality. For today is January... Today is January 5th. What year? You're doing very well, no question about it. And here we are back dealing with reality. 
Auburn plays Florida State tomorrow. Don't forget that. Some things are really important. We return to the routine. School is back in session tomorrow. The IRS is getting ready to receive something from you. And then, of course, business as usual just takes off. You know, if there's a bridge between Christmas and Easter, it probably is Epiphany. Epiphany Sunday. And Epiphany means a sudden manifestation of divine light into human darkness. A sudden manifestation of divine light into human darkness. The Magi. Who were these characters? They were really misfits at the manger. We call them wise men. They may well have been Persian kings, but I just can't imagine Persian kings hanging out in the stench of a stable. And yet, here they are, big players on our nativity scene. They felt the rising star was an announcement, so they decided to follow it. They end up in Jerusalem, and somehow they get information that this child is to be born in Bethlehem, which is just adjacent. So they come and they say, where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Like us, they were enamored with the heavens. In a way, they were on a star search, not, oh, not The Voice on Monday nights on NBC or not American Idol. But rather they were on a star search, a kind of heavenly star search. A search for a sign, a stigma, a horoscope, something that would tell them something new. For years, people believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Len Galileo and others came along and said, no, 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 no. it's the sun that is the center of the universe. And then we learned that the Milky Way may be the edge of our universe. And then somebody else says, no, no, no. There are billions and billions of stars out there. You know, theologically, I always say with God, there is always much more. With God, there is always much more. We are 93 million miles from the sun. If you had a rocket that would do 25,000 miles per hour, now that's better than your Buick, 25,000 miles an hour, it would take five months to get to the sun. Now you'd burn up in the process, but good luck. Now, if you decide you're going to go to the nearest star, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of years. With God, there is always so much more. With God, there is so much more. Think about the Red Sea. With God, there is so much more, the feeding of the 5,000. With God, there is so much more. Think about Lazarus walking out of that tomb. God shocks us with so much more. More grace, more hope, more life, more love, more power, more ways through than we ever could have imagined. Well, King Herod was known for his power. In the first century, there's nobody around that had any more power than King Herod. Certainly in that part of the world. And King Herod was a marvelous planner. If you go to the Holy Land today, you see results of his work. Absolutely amazing stuff. But the poor man was also paranoid. Herod and his urbane Jerusalemites failed to see any star. What star are you talking about? A king of the Jews? What do you got? You got to be kidding. 
Why haven't I heard this before? They were so enamored with their own brightness and brilliance, they failed to see any other light, certainly not any kind of eternal light. And so this brings us to epiphany, the sudden manifestation of divine light into human darkness. For over 2,000 years, astrologers, theologians, and skeptics have discoursed about what happened in the skies over Bethlehem. What was it that exploded in the sky? What was it that made the Magi move? What drew them to that part of the world? Was it a comet? Was it an exploding meteorite? Was it a nova, a stellar nova? Was it a supernova? Was it a conjunction of luminous planets like Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars? What was it that made the Magi move? You know, historical records and even early calendars suggest that there really was something of a star search about the time of the birth of Jesus. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says he humbled himself. He humbled himself. The one who was commanding angels was now sleeping on straw. The one who clutched stars was now clutching the finger of Mary. The one who held the universe in the palms of his hands now puts his palms out so that a Roman soldier can drive nails through them onto the cross of Calvary. There is always more with God. That's really what love is all about. You know, astronomy can only take us so far. The decision is really ours. What are we supposed to do with this star? Did it really exist? The question is, what was its impact? That's probably the question we ought to be asking. What was its impact? And its impact on Herod was that of paranoia. His paranoia began to perk. And the scripture says he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. He had reasons to be frightened. But so did all of Jerusalem because his paranoia often resulted in violence. You remember the story how they came to Herod. They finally get introduced, so they must have had some power. And Herod says to them, my understanding is from Micah, this person you're searching for is going to be born in Bethlehem. So he says to them, go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word so that I also may go and pay him homage. I am sure everybody that heard Herod say that in the court smirked. I'm sure they rolled their eyes because they knew that there was trouble ahead. And what was the fallout? An edict called the slaughter of the innocents. He demanded that all male children under two years of age be massacred. He was, was not about to enjoy any kind of a challenge. And so the edict took place. The wise men visited, and they brought three gifts according to the word. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it's interesting because these three gifts may have, may have provided the economic means for them to make 
the journey to Egypt to escape the edict. They may have financed the Holy Family's trip. Nobody really knows, but the gifts were important to them. And did they report back to Herod? Verse 12 says, And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. They left by another road. Linda and I received news concerning the diagnosis of a friend this week. And it saddened us greatly because the diagnosis is Alzheimer's. And neurologists don't lie. And so we felt very bad when we heard this. But you know, it was the words of a song that Matt Kearney that, that came my way. And the song goes, we are all just one phone call from our knees. We're all just one phone call from our knees. Any encounter with Jesus Christ will radically alter your routine. Any encounter with Jesus Christ, those beliefs will be dramatically reinforced or dramatically challenged. Any encounter with Jesus Christ means that your life may well be interrupted. The question won't be, what to do. The question will be what to be. Am I going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or am I just going to fling it aside? Will I be compassionate, daring, and heroic? Linda and I were at a gala in Houston, a soiree, you know, where everybody wears those penguin suits and um, tuxedos. And uh, we were standing there near the entryway to this thing, and one of Texas' great socialites swept into the room. And she had on a pink gown, long, flowing thing. I mean, it was dramatic. And this honey started heading our way, and behind her, trailing off a distance, was her husband in a rather rumpled tuxedo. And she headed our way, greeted us, talked to some of the other people in our group, and Somebody in our group complimented her on her gown. And she said, my husband always says, I dress to kill and cook the same way. <laughs> now there's a difference between complaining and discerning. There's a difference between complaining and discerning. Discernment is to discover a compass that can guide us to wisdom. A moral compass that can guide us to wisdom. That's discernment. But complaining, complaining is the tough stuff that we hear of all the time. The practice of fault finding. It can be vicious, but the practice of fault finding. I have a suggestion for you in this new week and in this new year. How about a day without complaining? How about a day without complaining? Instead of suffering sourness and sadness, how about a little sweetness? How about a whole day without complaining? Is there a precedent for that, Dave? On the cross of Calvary, the Savior hung there and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This time of year, we get a lot of lists, all kinds of lists. I've seen lists in the last couple of days that uh, 
tell us who the best screenwriters were in the last year. The best movies, the best books, the best recipes, the best dishes, the best moments in sports. We get those lists all, of, all the time. And in your day without complaining, here's my suggestion to you. Make a list of God's mercies that have come your way. There are 261 references to mercy in the Bible. 261. There is more mercy in God than sin in us. So in your day without complaining, I dare you, do a list of the mercies of God that have certainly come your way. In just a few moments, we're going to invite you to participate in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The bread, the body broken. The cup, the blood shed. All on our behalf. With God, there is always so much more. And I pray, as you participate in the sacrament this morning, that you will have an epiphany moment when there is a sudden manifestation of divine light into your darkness. The good news, it really can happen. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, you have sent light our way. Help us not only to be recipients of that light, but reflectors of that light. Thank you for the trust that has been placed in our hands. The Savior said that he was the light of the world, and then he turned to us and said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Lead us now into the meaning and mystery of this meal by the power of your Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.